Okay, Michael, I posed the question to you last week about NFT utility. Yes, you started your your episode with the question about NFT utility, and then you teased the fact that a part of the utility that came for your Cameo Pass NFT was getting a handshake from Stanley from the office. And then you made us record the entire episode without even getting into the handshake. So yeah, no, I, re- I remember quite well. <laughs> all right, all right. Maybe that wasn't too fair of me, but we we had a lot to talk about last episode and, and even more today, there's a lot to talk about. And I do promise though, we're gonna get to that handshake before too long. Like right now, right away? But Mike, we haven't even run the intro yet. <laughs> all right, well, let's, let's do that. Let's roll that intro. Welcome to rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play. Rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us go to gigantic.is that's gigantic.is and save your seat for our january cohort your potential is gigantic and we're here to help you reach it go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today all right well let's see where should we even begin here well not to draw things out um you know I don't want to, but if you're just joining us now, you should at least go back and listen to last week's episode. It's really part one of this two-part series we're doing around uh, Cameo Pass as part of our season 11, All About Web 3. But um, we can probably bring you up to speed if you really don't want to go back. Yeah, I mean, the short of it is last week I filled everybody in on my second ever NFT that I owned, Cameo Pass. It's a Web3 project from the Web2 tech company Cameo, um, you know, the platform you could send a celebrity shout out to your friends and family. Anyway, they announced their NFT project, Cameo Pass, as a ticket to everything that they would end up doing in the Web3 world. There were 6,000 NFTs that were introduced as a part of Cameo Pass, 
which were essentially 2,000 copies of three different passes made by artists like Vinnie Hager, Burnt Toast, and Luke McGarry. Last week, we heard from Oliver Maroney, the GM of Web3.4 Cameo. Uh, Oliver was really the catalyst for the project, but there was a larger team behind the project, too. Um, in fact, there were a handful of folks who are focused on Cameo Pass full-time now, including one of the original co-founders and the CTO of the company. Yeah. Now, we keep talking about utility because when somebody purchases an NFT, there's Typically, the art aspect of the NFT, and in some cases, there's utility. The art aspect of Cameo Pass is actually pretty cool. I mean, two of the artists are Web3 veterans, you know, as much as anybody can be a Web3 veteran. <laughs> but Vinnie Hager and Burnt Toast, they're the artists behind NFT projects like Letters and Doodles. Uh, today, if you want to own a Letters NFT, you'd have to fork over two and a half ETH. That's like $6,000. Um, actually, maybe more like seven or $8,000 now if... You wanted to own a Doodles NFT from Burnt Toast? Well, you're going to have to spend over $46,000. So it's kind of cool for me to say that I have an NFT from artist Burnt Toast since he is the artist of my cameo pass. The other artist, Luke McGarry, well, we heard from him in our last episode, and he's kind of new to that Web3 world, but is an incredibly accomplished illustrator and cartoonist himself and actually does have his own NFT project coming up later this spring called Petabytes. Yes, and the Cameo Pass community will actually get special access to that project. It's a project of 2022 unique one-of-one one NFTs, and only Cameo Pass holders will get early access. Uh, in fact, early access to various NFT projects, it's one of the benefits or utilities that pass holders get. Uh, in this case, Cameo Pass will actually cover the cost of the mint, so in a way, it's, it's kind of like a free NFT for Cameo Pass holders. In other cases, there's whitelist or allow list access for other projects, giveaways, drawings. And, and these are common benefits for, for a lot of NFT projects, actually, not just Cameo Pass. You might get random airdrops or there might be reciprocal relationships with other NFT communities. But Cameo Pass also had a pretty interesting benefit that not all NFT projects are able to do right in real life events. It's not to say that no other NFT projects have IRL events. See what I did there? But what makes Cameo Pass unique is its network of celebrities. There are 50,000 plus celebrities and influencers that are part of the Cameo network. So when Cameo said that one of its major benefits would be in real life events, well, it piqued your interest, Mike, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It did. And so when they announced their first ever Cameo Pass party, at a mansion that they own in Beverly Hills, which would take place the same time as NFT LA, which is a, it's a big deal for the Web3 community in Los Angeles. Well, I thought it might be worth me packing up a microphone and flying out to LA to take it all in. I figured I'd try to, I don't know, meet some of the celebrities, maybe interview some of the community members and answer that question that's kind of been floating around in my head ever since I heard about the fact that NFT parties are a thing, which is, what do people actually do at NFT parties? <laughs> well, Mike, what do people actually do at NFT parties? I think you can actually answer that for us. Well, all right. The, now, the Cameo Pass party, it took place on a Tuesday uh, in early April. Um, I actually got it in on a Monday. I flew in on Monday um, so that I could wake up and, and you know, kind of be fresh going into it. But actually, as soon as I arrived, I got a DM from somebody who had seen me in the Cameo Pass Discord mentioning that I'd be attending the party and said, hey, you should actually come to the Cameo Mansion tonight. There's another party going on. It's not a Cameo party, 
but it's being put on by artists of the NFT community, and I could get you on the list. An exclusive private party before the exclusive private party. I guess so. You know, now I I don't know. I don't I don't go to exclusive parties very much. I thought, <laughs> hey, maybe this is a normal thing, right? There's always the party before the party. I don't know. Uh, but the only catch would be that he said, I, I couldn't bring my mic to this party. It's kind of a more low-key kind of thing. Uh, but I had nothing going on that night in L.A. I was by myself, and I don't know. I just sort of looked at this as a bonus as far as I was concerned. So I didn't see it as too much of a drawback. So you went? I went, and it was definitely interesting. Tell us more about that. All right, well, first of all, I basically felt like, all right, how do I put this? I kind of felt like I was crashing some billionaires' college-age children's house party. I mean, the Cameo Mansion, it, it's... It is this amazing house in, in this residential neighborhood in Beverly Hills. Like, you, if you're driving by, you would not think, oh, yeah, Cameo owns that house. It just looks like, I don't know, some rich person owns that house, right? And mm. and it's what you'd expect. I mean, you walk in, and it's, it's very ornate. These crazy tall ceilings. You see marble. It, it's, it's this beautiful house. A living room leads right into this gourmet kitchen that has this giant long bar with plenty of seating. And then sliding glass doors that open up into the backyard where there's this amazing pool. And it's surrounded by cabanas and pool beds. But there's also a giant cameo sign at the end. And then a DJ booth on the other end. And there were lots and lots of very young people having a great time. And who were those people? Tell us more about them. Okay, so I, I came to learn that technically it was a party thrown by one of the artists that cameo lent their house to. Um, or, or maybe they rented it. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how that process worked. <laughs> Nobody filled me in on that. Um, all I know is what I heard is that this was Vinny Hager's party. Um, I, I don't even know if that's true. That's just what I heard, and I somehow got into it. Um, and, and Vinny Hager, of course, he's the artist behind the Project Letters. Um, and I did see Vinny there. I saw him sporting one of his, one of his Letters-style T-shirts. Um, and I also saw other... NFT folks there as well. I saw the artist from the NFT project Cool Cats, Klon, as well. Oh, wait a minute. Cool Cats. That's that's a big project. Yeah, it's actually one of the biggest NFT projects like anywhere right now. I think it ranks uh, number 35 in NFT projects traded by volume on OpenSea. Um, it's taken a little bit of a hit lately in terms of value. But we're talking about an NFT project that has, I don't know, 10,000 items or so, and each are valued at over $18,000 hmm. right now. So it's like an overall market size of, what's that, $180 million? I mean, even if it took a little bit of a hit, that's not nothing, right? No, for sure, for sure. So did you get to meet Klon? I mean, all right, so he's wearing this, like, suit with very loud <laughs> colors all over it. It's like his NFT printed right on his suit. I was a little intimidated. I'm not going to lie, Michael. So <laughs> I, I did kind of go by and give a little awkward hello, and uh, he said hello and smiled, and... That kind of turned away, and we didn't get to talk too much. <laughs> but, I, but I did get to talk to the moderator of the Cool Cats community. Um, at one point, I was, I was kind of walking around and, and just feeling a little awkward, right? Like, I, I'm this 40-year-old guy, probably not very cool at this party full of mostly 20-somethings, <laughs> and I didn't know anybody there, so I'm just kind of walking around, and, you know, most of these people, they're just bragging about their board ape or their cool cat, and I don't even know what to talk about, so... I just kind of walked up to this small group that was talking and, and just sort of tried to assimilate right into it, hoping that they wouldn't really notice. So did they? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they all sort of <laughs> stopped conversation and looked at me, and it was the exact opposite of what I wanted to happen. But then when I said something like, hey, I, I don't really know anybody here. Mind if I pretend to know you guys? Uh, <laughs> 
they all just sort of smiled and basically adopted me right in. They were they were good guys for sure. Um, but one of those people happened to be one of the moderators in the Cool Cats community. His name was Tyler. Ah, very cool. So. Anything interesting come from Tyler? Actually, yeah. I mean, it was a pretty fascinating conversation. So just a few months back, Tyler was a bankruptcy attorney. Um, He had picked up a Cool Cats NFT very, very early on, just as being sort of generally interested in exploring NFTs. And he ended up getting really active in the Cool Cats community. Um, So, you know, kind of one of these lawyer by day, Cool Cat, you know, member by night kind of things. And he got more and more active and eventually got asked to help moderate that community. Nice. So from member to moderator. Yeah. Yeah. And and for those of you that are sort of new to this world, too, I mean, the role of a moderator, in some cases, it's somebody hired by the team or, or it could just be a volunteer. They're basically members of the community that step in to help oversee that community, you know, mm-hmm. answer questions that pop up, make sure there's no civil unrest going on within the discord, you know. It's important stuff. Yeah, and now Tyler was a moderator of Cool Cats, which is one of the big NFT projects out there. Sounds like that would be a point of pride for Tyler, I'm sure, right? I'm sure that it was. I'm sure that it was. But then Tyler's life changed pretty quickly because another one of the members of the Cool Cats community happened to be Keith Grossman, the president of Time, as in Time Magazine. And last August, Time had launched a collaboration with Cool Cats, basically its own co-branded NFT collection. Uh, But a month later, Time launched its own Web3 project altogether, what they called Time Pieces. Hmm. Over time, they would launch various collections. Like most recently, they actually have a collaboration with Timbaland, who right now is, I guess, their artist in residence. Okay. Okay. So (laughs) so, uh, how is Tyler fitting into all this? This is is big. Well, Keith Grossman, getting to know Tyler as being one of the moderators of Cool Cats – asked if he'd be up for being the community manager for the Time Pieces NFT collection. And Mm. I'm not talking about being a Discord moderator. I I mean, that might have been part of the job duties, but he literally became a full-time employee of Time. So now he is thrust right into Web3. I mean, he basically is their community manager. Wow, that's that's pretty incredible, especially considering that I, I know that Cool Cats launched just about a year ago. So in the span of a year, he went from buying Cool Cats joining the community, becoming active, becoming a moderator, getting to know Keith Grossman, and now serving as a community manager for Web3 for time, all after he left his job as an attorney. All in one year, basically. It's fascinating, yeah. Yeah, anyway, I had a couple more drinks, and I ended up leaving the party, uh, knowing that I'd be back at that mansion the very next day for for the real party that I traveled <laughs> into town for. But it was it was cool, you know, kind of kind of as a little warm-up on uh, night one there. Nice. Okay, so I want to hear all about that, but let's just take a quick break here. Okay, before the break, Mike found himself in LA at the Cameo Mansion for an NFT party before the NFT party that he was in LA to actually attend. Yes, the the party before the party. Again, maybe this is a thing. I don't know. It was all new to me, but (laughs) that first one was thrown by NFT artists. But the second one, this was thrown by Cameo for its Cameo Pass holders. It was part of the utility that came with owning a Cameo Pass. And this party would be an all-day affair. It actually started off bright and early in the morning and went all the way until 10 o'clock at night. Okay, so I have to ask here, did you scan your NFT to get in? You know what? N- nobody nobody asked to see my NFT. <laughs> I just was on a list. You know, okay, that's how okay. that's how Beverly Hills parties work, Michael, right? You got to be on the list. 
Fair, fair. Okay. So it's, it's a long party from the morning to night. Um, and you were there for the entire thing? Well, I, I couldn't be there for, for the early morning part. I, mm-hmm. I wish I could have been. I had a work thing for Product Collective, a, an important <laughs> video chat that I had to be on in the morning. But I got there by lunchtime. And I was there for all day after that. I mean, from lunchtime to 10 o'clock at mm-hmm. night. But I have to admit, the FOMO was pretty strong for me. Because while I was dealing with work stuff that morning... I was seeing Cameo Pass post pictures of different celebrities that were already there. Celebrities like Danny Trejo. Um, You might remember him from movies like Machete or from Dusk Till Dawn. Danny actually now owns a few businesses, one of them being Trejo's Coffee and Donuts. And Trejo did bring his coffee and donuts to the Cameo Mansion for everybody to enjoy during breakfast time. And I saw pictures of people like John Lovitz, who was there with his dog. I don't know, maybe he lives in the neighborhood or something and just sort of stumbled in. I saw... Oscar Nunez, uh, we all know Oscar from The Office, of course, Amazing. and they were enjoying those coffee and donuts, and I'll admit it, maybe wanted to get over to the Cameo Mansion, like, right away. But you got there before too long, right? Yeah, again, it was, it was around lunchtime, and, and honestly, it was a bit surreal, because as soon as I arrived, it's not like there were hundreds of people there. There were maybe, like, 20 people. Huh. Um, but already, I mean, I could see some of those 20 people being celebrities, like, Standing at the bar, I saw Shooter McGavin. Shooter McGavin? Yeah, actually, actor Christopher Donald. But uh. you might know Shooter McGavin <laughs> from Happy Gilmore. You know, the the villainous golfer that Happy Gilmore is, like, going up against. Uh, so he, he was there. And actually, if you want to get a cameo from him, he's on cameo as Shooter McGavin. Not even Christopher Donald, just as Shooter McGavin. So a <laughs> little interesting tidbit there. Um, I saw NFL Pro Bowler Cam Jordan. Uh, he was actually on the mic getting interviewed when I arrived. Um, Throughout the day, some of these celebrities or Web3 influencers, they'd actually take the mic for an interview or a panel. Um, So there's a little bit of programming involved. And so, yeah, just as I was arriving, Cam Jordan was taking questions from the audience. Okay, that's very cool. You hear of celebrity parties and, like, you just assume there's, like, a thousand people around them, right? But here, it sounds like you, you might actually get a chance to talk to them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was definitely the case. I mean, throughout the entire day... You know, some people were coming and going, but at any given time, maybe there's a few dozen people, maybe a hundred at the very most, um, at least by my estimation. And and that was by design. I mean, Cameo said that they wanted to keep the guest list pretty tight. You know, this was a mansion in Beverly Hills, but it's not like the backyard was that huge. I mean, this is still Los Angeles, right? Like, the yards aren't that big. It was a very nice yard, though. It's understandable. For sure. For sure. And. And yes, Michael, finally, I did end up getting my handshake with Leslie David Baker, Stanley from The Office. He was walking by, and I I did what probably any Office fan would do. (laughs) I just sort of blurted out, Stanley! You know, I I wasn't really planning on doing that. I wasn't planning on seeing Stanley. So I blurted that out. He turned to me and let out one of the biggest smiles that I swear I never saw (laughs) in any episode of The Office. It's usually a scowl from Stanley. Anyway, he extended his hand. And I shook it. And you recorded an interview with Stanley for all of us to hear, right? I'm sorry, Michael. I didn't. <laughs> I, I didn't have my microphone right there when Stanley walked by. And honestly, meeting the celebrities that I did get to meet, it, it was pretty cool. But the reason I brought the microphone was to talk to the community of Cameo Pass, mm-hmm. right? And, and and I did get to do that. Um, I figured it'd be cool to hear some voices from people that made their way to L.A. to the party l- like me. You know, so you could get a feel for the type of people that are actually a part of the Cameo Pass community. Okay, well, let's hear, you know, who you did get to talk to. All right, well, let's see. Here's one community member. He wanted to stay nameless, but he stood out to me because he was a super young guy. I mean, I don't know how old he was. He looked like he was like 21 years old. 
and he said that he traded NFTs as his full-time job. In the past, I was doing a lot of quick flips, like every project I would get out within within a week. Yeah. Um, after Clonex, uh, I started holding a few more projects that I thought was more promising, like the team looks like they um, are focused on building building like the community, the brand, and like they're more mission driven instead of um, being here to just be like a cash grab. Um, there are some there are some hints you can like read from how how uh, the team interacts with the community, and I think just through experience, like like I can kind of see it sometimes when um, a team is more genuine instead of like being here just to profit off NFTs. It's like when you see how they respond to incidents, you can see like if they're here to genuinely make sure the community is satisfied or if they're here to like kind of make sure their bags are protected. And hey, this is an important distinction here, right? I mean, there are a lot of rug pulls out there these days. Projects when they launch, the money goes to the project's founders and then that's it. Nothing ever happens, the rug was pulled. And how did this person get involved in Cameo Pass? Well, let's go back. I actually don't know too much <laughs> about about it, but then um, there's a friend that I um, that I got to know through NFTs, and uh, she is also someone who inspired me to kind of like invest into projects instead of being more of like a flipper and do more research. She has a really good eye for projects like this. She does a lot of research, <laughs> and I realized. Uh, I mean. I basically just trusted her intuition. Uh, the problem with me is like um, this. Uh, I, I there's so many projects going on. It's hard to like really dive into every single project. So I bought a cameo pass just based off her. Uh, based, yeah, based off her recommendation. And it's like I'm not putting in too much that I'm I'm too worried about it. So it's just like. Uh, also, I'm also buying in before I do the research because I there were a few times where she told me about a project. I'm like, I'll put it on my list of things to look into. And then the next few days, it's like, it just skyrockets. So I'm like, now, whatever you tell me, I'm going to take it as financial advice. <laughs> I'm going to buy in first and do my research later. Buy first and do research later. Okay, <laughs> this is probably the time where I should say none of this is financial advice. Uh, I, I don't know that that should be anybody's strategy. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Okay. <laughs> so who's next? Okay. Well, as you can imagine, um, there were some NFT entrepreneurs there, people that had startups that were in the Web3 space, uh, like the founder of a company called PNFT. I'm a founder of uh, PNFT. So this is a project where you'll be able to pin, put, put your NFTs to a specific location. So imagine like we're right now at this cameo party and imagine putting an NFT at right this location. So the only uh, person to be able to buy it is by being in, in this location. Uh, so here is how it looks like uh, for now. So basically there will be like a map and you can just walk towards in like a you know like 100 meter radius and be able to buy this NFT. We're looking to launch like in a month will be <laughs> realistic. So good luck to PNFT's launch. It should be coming right up. It's almost been a month since the party. There was also the founder of Nifty Royale. I'm, I'm the founder of Nifty Royale. I got the pleasure of meeting Mike here at the Cameo Pass event. I've been in the space for a while now since when I started out working as a product manager at uh, Dapper Labs. And from there, I fell in love with NFTs. And then after I left my position at Dapper, 
I wanted to stay in the space and see how I contribute. And what we're trying to do is to gamify the distribution of one-to-one -one art from different artists. What I then wanted to do is to find a way to democratize the ownership of these one-to-one -on -one NFTs. And for myself, I'm a gamer, I always grew up playing games, so it's like, well, can we, with NFTs, it seems like everything's possible. Can we somehow incorporate gaming and art? And that's where we came up with the concept of Nifty Royale. And what we do is, when we work with an artist, we'll first do a curated drop where we sell one piece of their artwork with multiple editions at a lower fixed price. So a lot of collectors can then buy in and own the piece from the artist. This also pools together the money for the artist. So instead of having one person pay a large sum, it's a bunch of collectors that collectively pool their money for the artist and they all get a piece. And when the collectors buy a piece, not only do they get to keep that artwork, their NFT will be entered into an on-chain battle royale game where one by one NFTs are chosen to be eliminated until there's only one NFT left. And that NFT is then declared the winner and thus awarded another one of one piece of NFT from the artist. And that is the only way to obtain a one of one piece on our platform. And there are a lot of people there who are showing off their NFTs that they own by way of their clothing. I saw a lot of Bored Ape shirts and hats. And of course, when you talk to some of these folks, you realize that they're basically where I was just six months ago or 12 months ago. That makes sense. Some of these amazing projects, they sprouted right up about that time. I mean, if you're a veteran NFT collector, you've been at it for what, a year, two years? Yeah, I mean, it's true. And that, that was the case for this particular community member that I talked to. Um, he's a video game developer who just started dabbling with NFTs. So I'm like, what is NFT? So, and then I started researching and then it's like blockchain, this and that. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, let's do some research. So I looked up other podcasts and I started like listening to everything that I could uh, early spring. And um, and then I, I started like looking into OpenSea and, uh, and Rarible, Rarible and I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta maybe buy something. And of course, like, the first few projects I bought, they were like, not rock pools, but they kind of failed. Like, they didn't really get anywhere. I managed to buy a mutant tape uh, for a very good price. I didn't actually know that they are linked to the board API club. And so I own a mutant tape number 33. Okay, I looked up that particular mutant ape. It looks like it's valued at around $150,000 right now. So wow. not a bad NFT to pick up when you're just getting started. No, no, not at all. <laughs> I'll play one more clip from a community member that I talked to while at the party. Um, somebody that seems very bullish on what NFTs mean for, well, the world. Uh, he, he talked about what brought him into NFTs. Originally got me into this space was, uh, I saw Gary Vee talking about it. Gary Vee is one of my uh, bigger idols um, and he's been talking about NFTs. So I decided to take a look. Uh, before buying my first NFT, I probably spent couple weeks like researching YouTube videos understanding what to do and I probably lost um, 700 to 800 dollars before I made any profit on NFTs uh, right now I feel like we're at the beginning of one of the biggest changes in human life one of the biggest changes in human life that's that's a pretty weighty statement yeah right and and honestly when I walked around talking to various people at the cameo pass party that sentiment it was sort of the sentiment that was with a lot of people. I mean, that, that what's happened so far with NFTs, it, it's only the beginning. 
We're only in the very early days. A lot of people likened it to, you know, where we're at now with Web3 is where the internet was in, say, the mid-1990s. And there are going to be some giant companies birthed. Uh, but a lot that will also fall to the wayside. And it may be hard to know who's who, but regardless, we're only at that beginning stage right now. And so, did you enjoy your time at the Cameo Party? I did. I mean, hey, it was a lot of fun. It was awesome getting to meet members of the Cameo Pass community. I got to meet a couple more celebrities like NBA Hall of Famer Gary Payton. Um, he actually asked if he could see the board Ape hat that somebody right next to me was wearing and then put it on his head, thanked the guy, and, and walked away with the hat. That was, that was kind of funny. Um, the night ended with a poolside comedy show. Uh, I got roasted a bit by David Keckner, who you might remember as Todd Packer from The Office. So um, yeah, it, it was an awesome time, both in terms of the overall experience, but but also again, just a chance to put some faces to the actual Cameo Pass community, which you know, I've only had a chance to experience as PFPs inside of a Discord. Well, we can dig in a bit more into the community, make some final takes on Cameo Pass right after a short break. Okay, we're back. Mike just walked us through his visit to the Cameo Mansion in Beverly Hills, getting to attend the Cameo Pass party as a Cameo Pass holder. Unfortunately, there was no NFT scan, but the guest list is good enough. So, Mike, now that you've had a chance to experience the Cameo Pass NFT from the very beginning all the way until now, What's your thoughts on NFTs from, from this kind of community perspective and getting in at the very beginning of something? Yeah, well, you know, I'll, I'll give you a couple different perspectives. My own personal one and one that I feel like a lot of people have, which isn't necessarily one and the same. Okay, okay, let's hear it. All right, well, keep in mind, I'm coming at this having been in tech startups my entire career. Most successful tech startups that are out there, they didn't happen overnight. Right? Like they're, they're built up and they continued to build and build and grow and grow. And they might have generated some buzz early on, but I don't know. Think of Snapchat, right? It didn't become what it is today overnight. They didn't just have a launch and then were immediately one of the most successful social apps just instantly. You know, I got in early on Cameo Pass, not expecting the floor price to just skyrocket instantly. And, and honestly, floor price. I mean, that seems to be a metric that a lot of people track as, you know, the value of an NFT. It isn't that important to me. I, I mean, all the stuff, the benefits that come along with the NFT, that was kind of what was most intriguing to me. Okay, what do you mean there? Well, okay, I paid what amounted to probably, I don't know, 800 bucks or so um, to get in on that Cameo Pass NFT. Today, my specific Cameo Pass is still valued at right around that $800 mark. It, it didn't skyrocket. In some cases, some Cameo Passes actually went below the original mint price. Um, and, and nobody wants that, right? You don't wanna see the value of, of something you own to be less today than what it was before. But they've already had several giveaways. They distributed merch early on to early pass holders. Those things have some value. Mm. Um, but attending this Cameo Pass party, look, I know not everybody could take the time off work and fly to LA to attend something like this, but getting into a private party where you get to meet celebrities. You take in a poolside comedy show with a guest list that was probably capped at 100 people. What would people pay to get in on something like that? Yeah, it's it's really hard to say. People do all kinds of stuff just to get into those parties. Now you've got like a direct line. Yeah, and, and you know, like, look, it was this cool experience, this cool life experience. I, I got to enjoy it. Even if they never did anything else with the pass ever again, I sort of feel like I got the value out of my pass. So hmm. if I sold it right now for the same price that I bought it for, 
I'm actually profiting. I, I'm not. I'm not getting my money back. I'm actually profiting because I already got that experience. That's uh, yeah. I like that. It's a it's a great way to look at it. But not everyone is going to have that, right? There there is like a flip side, right? For sure, for sure. And I think that's one of the things I noticed uh, about a lot of people getting into NFTs right now. You you heard this a bit with one of the community members that I recorded with at the party. Some people they get amped up by the potential of a project and, and they need to get in early, even if it means not doing any research. Mm. I mean, we heard the one person say, buy now, research later. <laughs> uh, but if the value, the floor price doesn't go up immediately, then they're up in arms. They're asking, when's the next piece of utility coming? You know, what's what about the floor price? Is this a rug pull? I mean, the level of patience in the NFT world it is not something that is as high as other places, right? Yeah. Um, and I'll go back to that conversation I had with Oliver Maroney, the GM of Web3 for Cameo Pass. He and the team, they notice when people aren't quite patient. It was very widely reported in TechCrunch and Yahoo and a bunch of other places that all the money that we raised from this are, is basically just going straight back into the, the, the stuff that we work on with Cameo Pass. We're approaching this like a business just like any other company would. But I think the, the unique part is that money is going to be in this space, in Cameo Pass for the long haul. It's just we can't, we can't deliver everything at once. And so it's, it's something that I've noticed over time with this space that the patience has just gotten to be very small. And there are a lot of people who are very impatient. And unfortunately, we can't, I, I can't promise everything and give you everything that you want with every project. And I'm not simply saying that because I don't want to deliver. I do. It's like every time I see like any comment, it hurts me. It's hard for, to, for us to deal with. And us as a team, it's like hard. I'm not trying to complain or vent or anything, but I think people should definitely understand like where we're coming from here. We're trying our very best to do what we think is right for the community and for the project long-term. And in order to do that, you've got to be patient. Oliver says, as an NFT pass holder, you've got to be patient. And I hear him for sure. I can also empathize with NFT holders who, well, they've been burned in the past. They don't they don't know if this project is ever going to uh, complete its roadmap, right? They've uh, also seen, you know, Frosties or Baller Ape Club or Evolved Apes, projects that all generated millions of dollars at the Mint, and then the developers just walked away. Yeah. I definitely feel for those people too. I mean, there are a lot of projects out there like that. I mean, look, for all of those Bored Ape and Cool Cat NFT bros and gals that I met at the Cameo Pass party, they told me, yeah, I got in in those projects early, but I also got in on a lot of other projects early. Mm -hmm. And most of those other projects failed. Um, you know, and some failed because it's just the nature of a startup project, right? I mean, execution just wasn't there. Um, some might have been mini versions of those rug pulls before, right? It's, it's really a mix. But Oliver does bring up a good point about patience, right? This Web3 space, a lot of people don't seem to have any patience. But the great projects out there, even if it seems like they're overnight successes, they did come with a lot of work put in. Yeah, it reminded me of one more comment that Oliver made here. We are a Web2 company that's raised a lot and has done a lot in the space. And it didn't grow overnight either. And I think... You know, even our co-founder, I think, chimed in last weekend on the Discord and was like, hey, just FYI, like Cameo wasn't built overnight. Like we weren't a billion dollar company overnight. Like it took us four years to get to this point. <laughs> I can't stress enough. Like, you know, we're talking three, four, five projects at a time here. So uh, our goal is to always um, under promise and over deliver. And if we can do that, we know that we've done a good job. I understand there's a lot of people that want to create hype 
But what I don't want to do is artificially inflate a floor price or artificially inflate anything to where people feel like they need to, you know, FOMO into something right away or um, feel the need, I guess, to, to, to have to buy. Um, and I think, you know, the, the interesting part about Web3 and NFTs right now that I haven't seen in the past is that more than ever, there are people getting into the space every day that are literally hearing the stories from people six months ago, where they said, hey, I bought a board ape for $300 and it went to $300,000. That doesn't happen. It's, this is like, it's gambling, right? Like there's, there's a sense of that right now. And I think a lot of people are in this because they, they have some conviction. Oh, it's, it's the doodles artist that did this pass. So I buy this and it's just going to go up. And people always told me like, buy into people you believe in. And so every project is different in that way. So Mike, all in all, your final take on Cameo Pass? Well, hey, I can't tell you this is going to be the next Bored Apes. Um, probably not, right? I mean, as awesome as the party was, they had the party and they're actually planning more. There's one coming up in Miami. Um, and sadly, I cannot make that one, but the floor price really hasn't jumped or anything. So might the value increase in this project? Um, it could, maybe. But I'm not expecting it to jump up to like 100 ETH or anything like that. Um, but I'll say this, is there real work and effort and value being created? I believe that there is. I mean, I believe that the Cameo team is investing real resources in the project. I believe they're out there trying and they created this cool experience with that party that I'll always remember. And what's a memory like that worth, right? So. Am I glad that I bought in? Um, I am. And you know what, Michael? I I'm holding. I'm not selling my pass right now. <laughs> well, what's next for your NFT journey? Well, you already know this, Michael. You already know that I convinced my wife to let me use up, well, a significant portion of our <laughs> net worth to go hard and bid on just a single NFT. But not just any NFT. A 1952 Tops Mickey Mantle NFT that Tops Timeless released as a one of one. Oh, Mike, did you did you actually spend a good portion of your net worth on an NFT? Well, we're going to hear more about that later on this season. Uh, okay. Well, until we get there, we've got plenty more coming up for you. In fact, next week we're going to take a deep dive uh, behind an NFT project that formed out of a artist DAO, um, and it's a really interesting story. Again about patience and value. So for Mike Belsito, I'm Michael Saka, and this is Rocketship.fm. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It is your support that keeps the show going. If you can, take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps out the show so much. We're also part of the Podglomerate Network, and if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the Podglomerate, go to thepodglomerate.com. Dot com to see the full show listings. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com.